This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special five-part podcast series on building a stronger culture of compliance through targeted and effective training sponsored by Diligent. Over this series, we will consider the importance of ongoing communications, the value of targeted training, training third parties, what is effective training, and the role of the board of directors. Now a word about our sponsor, Diligent. This podcast series is presented by Diligent, and Diligent empowers leaders with a holistic view of their organization's governance, risk, compliance, audit, and ESG practices so they can make better decisions faster, no matter what the challenge. Ready for purpose-driven compliance? Diligence equips leaders with the tools they need to build, monitor, and maintain a culture of open, transparent ethics and compliance. Build a stronger culture of compliance by improving cultural openness and training effectiveness so everyone in your organization is ready to make the right choice in any situation. For more information on Diligent and to book a demo, visit diligent.com backslash compliance training. In this episode three, I'm joined by Jessica Tachuga, Principal Instructional Designer at Diligent, and we talk about the often difficult topic of effective compliance training. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Jessica Chachuga. Jessica, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Jessica, I'm particularly excited for your podcast today because we're going to talk about one of the things that I struggle with as a compliance professional. And that is one of the two DOJ requirements on training, and that is effectiveness. Uh, There are two requirements, targeted and effective training, but we're going to chat today about effective training. First of all, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background and your current role? Sure. So currently I am a principal instructional designer, and what that means is I am one of the content creators. So think of me as somebody who is creating that targeted training that needs to be effective. And I've spent about 25 years in the train, the learning and development field. So I've been doing this a long time. And can I add, not a lawyer? Not a lawyer. No, not at all. Probably okay. the furthest thing from it. But, but the nice thing about it is I've had so many different collaborators that help make that training effective and interesting and engaging. So we have so many perspectives and so many points of view that we capture the audience in such a great way. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you because you're a training content creation professional, and I can't think of a better person to visit with about effectiveness. So how do you look at training to try to determine whether it is going to be effective? And then we'll get to testing effectiveness in a little bit later in this podcast. Sure. Since I've been at this for so many years, I always say that there seems to be a bit of a pendulum swing. When I first came into the industry, it was all about sitting in front of the computer in the classroom and training for an hour, two hours, three hours, trying to get every piece of information into someone's head. And then maybe 10 or so years ago, microlearning came out and microlearning was this great new concept. And I believe based on the experience that I've had in this field, 
micro learning is probably one of the most effective ways to convey content to your learners. Why is that the case? There's a bevy of reasons. I will give you a quick summary of them because I think these hit on the most important points. For one, it's quick. If you really want to honestly evaluate the direction that our society is going in, things need to be quick. Otherwise, people lose attention. So micro learning fits that bill very well. It's simple. If you're going to convey information to somebody in five to seven minutes, it's got to be direct and to the point. And that seems to be what learners prefer. The, one of the things that I love the most about micro learning is its ability to be repetitious. Um, and what I mean by that is they're short bursts of learning. And when you deliver those short bursts, you give the learner a chance to understand a concept and then you can reinforce that several times over the successive three months, six months, a year, two years, whatever your time frame is. And you can continue to present micro bursts of the same message in different ways. And that reinforces the learning over and over again. But it doesn't consume a lot of the learner's time. So that's another piece that makes micro learning a pretty amazing tool. Very easily accessible, doesn't require, in many cases, a lot of heavy technical requirements. In a lot of cases, it can be delivered very easily and it's accessible. And one of the things that I've learned over the course of my time working with it is it's what we call interruptible um, or interruptive. So you think of people and how they naturally develop patterns of behavior. And for a lot of people, that pa those patterns of behavior are something that stick with you. Micro learning comes in and it has the capability, if it's done right, to interrupt those patterns, to disrupt them for a little bit and give you a chance to think about doing things in a slightly different way. Um, and it does it quickly and it does it with a lot of power. So again, all these different reasons. But I think the number one thing that I love about micro learning beyond all those other benefits is the ability to put together what we call a multimodal communication campaign. And what that is, is using different modes of micro learning to push out a specific message. So think of it as maybe you start with a four to five minute video that talks about anti-bribery. And then a month later, you push out a newsletter that reinforces those same messages about anti-bribery. And then maybe a month, two months, six months later, you push out a 90 second video that just quickly reinforces the main points of that video or of that message. All of these pieces, when you stack them together, continue to give you that, give your learners that same message over and over again. And one of the things that I love about it is the fact that everyone learns differently, right? Some people are auditory learners. Some people are visual learners. Some need both. And these different modes of delivering training they appeal to all the different learning styles and it gives you, maybe somebody doesn't love the video aspect of it, but loves the quotes, loves the newsletter, loves to read, loves to hear, things like that. So it just presents the information over and over again in ways that people can consume it and actually digest it. I said there's two requirements, targeted and effectiveness, and I wasn't going to ask you about targeted, but let me maybe rephrase that a little bit to the following. In every corporation, around at least around anti-corruption training, 
there are those employees who are at higher risk or who are gatekeepers who Mm -hmm. may need some very focused training on contracts, on due diligence, on third parties, on something, as opposed to an employee who sits in the United States who doesn't travel overseas, but who needs to get a basic code of conduct or some other training that says, we value doing business ethically and in compliance. Here's the hotline if you see something. Do the concepts you've talked about in terms of microlearning, can you craft those or create a set of training for the more general training for an employee who needs the general training around what's the code, where's the hotline, as opposed to the employee who may need actually they're getting ready to go overseas and they need some very focused targeted training as well? So the short answer to that is yes. I think that even with all the benefits of micro learning, there are certainly situations where longer and more targeted or focused training may be necessary. And so again, when you look at your training strategy overall, I would certainly include more targeted or longer form training where appropriate for the employees that need that. But in general, if you're just trying to convey messages like don't take bribes, don't give bribes, there are opportunities to do that in a shorter form for the more general population of your organization. Does that answer what you were asking? Yes. Although the government has not ever said anything about testing, many, particularly lawyers in the compliance space, think all we have to do is give them a test and they have to get eight or nine out of 10 correct after they take the training, like within five minutes of taking the training, and they're good for a year. Has the testing component of effectiveness evolved past that? Or how would you suggest a client, or maybe how do you help a client think through some way to document that component of what the government may be looking for? So I think... I think it depends on your resources, but I believe that in, let me say that I, when I learned about how to do this, there was a big charge to do pre-test and post-test. And that's a great way to determine how much you move the needle in training, right? If you can get, capture where somebody is before they take any training, and then you can determine where they are after, that certainly would give a very clear picture as to where you either need to develop more or grow more or if you're doing a good job. So I think assessments hold a really good place in the training world to tell you how people are doing. But I think there's other ways that you can engage your audience. And I think giving the test right after you take the training, you can Typically, if you push the training out through a learning management system, you can capture that the training has been completed. You can capture the score of the assessment or that the assessment has been completed. And I know in many cases that is a helpful metric, right, for the agencies. However, I always believed that if you had the time and ability, there's other ways to reach out to your audience through even engagement through surveys. I don't, I think surveys are somewhat underutilized in the training world only because I think it's a great way to get a pulse on where your organization is, what your training needs might be, and then to find out how people feel about the training that you're delivered. Is it, do they think that it's doing anything? Do they think that the methods that you're using are working? And nowadays it's so easy to push out surveys with things like SurveyMonkey and other tools. 
very easy to reach out to your employees and get a read on where they are. And I would think, I don't know officially through the channels what kind of reporting that the government would wanna have specifically, but I think from as an organization, you can really start assessing where you are and what you need to do to make those, to move the needle in your organization. So one of the things that has struck me in listening to you, Jessica, is I'm hearing a process of identifying those or the targets of different types of training, but within each target, you have a strategy of some longer training, although longer could be as short as five minutes, but then follow-ups and that follow-ups with a variety of media could be written as in a newsletter. It could be a visual videogram. It could be a survey. It could be a microburst, 30 or 60 seconds of some communication. If I have characterized that accurately and fairly, does putting that process together, who should be in charge of that? Should that be the compliance function? Should that be the individual employee who's tasked with taking so much training? Should it be a supervisor? How would you counsel a client through the who should, not so much who should own it, but who should put it together? So I don't want to sound pie in the sky here, but I think it's a collaborative effort. Um, depends on your organization. I know some organizations have compliance training departments. Some smaller organizations may not have such specialized functions, but I think if you have a training function and you have a compliance function, they should always be in communication if they're not one and the same to determine what that strategy would look like. I think a good one of my old work colleagues used to, when we used to talk about this, used to say, I've never been an employee of McDonald's, but I could absolutely tell you how to make a Big Mac. Why? Because when I, growing up, all I heard was an all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a seed bun. Right. And everybody that grew up when those commercials were around knows how to make a Big Mac. And it's basic, it's such a basic concept, but it's just putting together a strategy that reinforces your messaging over consistently over time, whether that comes from compliance, whether that comes from training, I would suspect that you would want to involve everybody. It's a, it's something that management can promote. It's something that supervisors can promote. It's things that individual employees can promote. It's a whole organization effort to build that culture of compliance and ethics. But I would say the training and compliance functions are probably key in creating that strategy and getting everyone to work collaboratively. For 40 years, I've thought that was an advertisement for a Big Mac. And you say, no, Tom, it was an advertisement for how to make a Big Mac when you go to work at McDonald's. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Jessica, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. I hope our listeners will join us Again, in our next episode where we look at strategy for third parties in training and communication. But before we leave, could I ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics we've touched on, where could they go? Uh, We would love to have a chat with you. If you want to contact us, we're at www.diligent.com. I am always around if you ever want to chat again. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you will join me tomorrow for our next episode where we visit with Andrew Rincon on training for third parties. I hope you will check out all of the podcasts on this five-part podcast series. It will give you a great overview of 
best practices around targeted and effective training. This special five-part podcast series has been a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.